like a chrysalis we what? have begun to liquefy ourselves and soon we will emerge from the theme song into a fully realized podcast with wings somebody please interrupt me no keep i would never <laughs> what <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Midlight Crisis, a real podcast hosted by three grown-up biologists revisiting books from our teens, and it's totally cool. I am one of your hosts, Sophie, and today I have been genetically recombined with a bird that has a superpower, <laughs> but only 2%, uh -huh. so it's not much. Don't only worry. Only 2% of a superpower? Only, this is a great question. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> two percent of a bird that has a superpower i realize oh. it's unclear mm -hmm. <laughs> so um science has yet to determine what percent <laughs> of that is the superpower yeah yeah anyway the superpowered bird that i have been genetically recombined with today is a space disaster chickadee wow <laughs> yeah i like that i don't know which part is the superpower and which part is the noun describing the bird. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh... Because normally there are three parts. The superpower, the adjective, noun, uh, and then the bird species. Uh -huh. and in this case, I think it's a disaster chickadee that has the superpower space. <laughs> and I don't know what that means. Um... Uh-huh. Is it from space, maybe? Maybe. You know how people are like, oh my god, space aliens, meaning well, that the aliens come from space? But then it should be, insert superpower, space chickadee, you know? Well, it was already a disaster chickadee on its home planet. Oh. And then it came from space to this one. Okay, so this is like a <laughs> Superman situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is just a guy, but from space. So you're just a regular disaster chickadee. Mm-hmm. But then you were in space. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all just disaster chickadees in space? If you think about it. <laughs> think about it. If you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, glad we didn't clear that up. Um, what are who are you guys and what are you? <laughs> My name's Sam, and today I am two percent a Jedi mind tricks waterfall pelican. <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry i need huh. to ask about the um sorry you said a jedi mind tricked like past tense no tricks <laughs> okay okay <laughs> i was like wait is your superpower that you have been tricked <laughs> no okay this makes yeah. way more sense jedi jedi mind tricks waterfall pelican wow yeah are pelicans like your least favorite bird yeah, I'm terrified. I think we talked about this. Haven't you been a pelican <laughs> so before? The pelicans them. keep coming for you, huh? I know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I like the name. Like the pe the word pelican is a good word. It's a good word. And in concept, pelicans are very cool birds. But then when you see them in person, they're like the scariest thing ever. <laughs> they're so big. They're so big, and they have no boundaries, and they will attack you. <laughs> The pelicans in Key West, no, no bounds. They will no hurt God. you. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but that might just be Florida. <laughs> 
Florida bird. Florida. It's true. <laughs> the only thing I can think of every time I pelicans are mentioned is my brain just immediately provides that like viral Tumblr post that was just like a picture of a pelican with its mouth open. And the captain is like, pelican mouth, perfect place for a baby. Put baby in pelican <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Nice and comfortable for baby. Support the head and neck. Oh my god. I don't think I saw that one. Uh, Me neither. Rent free in my head for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, who's the last one on this podcast? Me. I'm also here. My name is Hannah, and today. 2% of my superpowers come from being a spooky ocean turkey. Whoa. Oh. Ocean turkey. Ocean turkey, but wow. spooky. Wow. The place where you definitely won't find turkeys. Hopefully not. Maybe there's a deep sea spooky one. Whoa. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's spooky, because you're out on the ocean. You're like, oh my god, a turkey? Whoa. <laughs> you're far from home. You don't belong here, sir. It's like they can barely fly. Imagine <laughs> them trying to swim. <laughs> My God. I'm imagining them. You know how a lot of like smaller birds, like songbirds, end up on islands because they get blown out there during storms? Mm -hmm. I'm imagining yeah. that happening to a whole ass turkey. Or you're on like your cross oceanic uh, <laughs> ship and just like a turkey lands on your boat. <laughs> and you're like, ah, like, shit. You're like out in the middle of the ocean. It's like, God oh, dang. Guess we're bringing this turkey with us. <laughs> well, <laughs> spooky. Where did it come from? Spooky. Turkeys are already pretty spooky. They are kind of spooky. They're really big. Yeah, with that weird skin thing they have on their face. Yeah. Don't like it. Yeah, it's weird how humans are mostly bare skin, but when any other animal does it, it's really unsettling. It is pretty unsettling. We put clothes on top because we're unsettled. <laughs> but, yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> no other reason. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, the reason we have been genetically recombined with birds that have superpowers is because we are reading Maximum Ride. Still. <laughs> <laughs> How about you guys tell us what happened in the chapters we read this week? Well, we get off to a fast-paced start with the flock making a speedy escape from the eraser-filled restaurant and making it to their stolen van without getting caught. <laughs> Max takes off, causing probably a dozen car accidents along the way with her reckless <laughs> driving, and eventually they end up driving through a cornfield trying to outdrive the erasers. Just when they think they are clear of the chase and out of the cornfield, a black sedan jumps out in front of them and Max hits them full on at 60 miles an hour, which that is bad. Oh my God. Very bad. So yeah. the aftermath of the hit takes us to chapter 58, where Max is bleeding profusely from her nose. Fang is almost decapitated by a seatbelt and the rest of the bird kids are pretty shaken up to say the least. The erasers start breaking into the van and Max yells at everyone to run, but the gas man and Iggy are the only ones to escape, while Nudge, Fang, and Max are in the hands of the erasers with the sound of a chopper fast approaching. Dang. Yeah. Dang, indeed. Not a great one. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Weirdly, there's a bit of a time skip preceding chapter 59, which picks up with Max, Fang, and Nudge in dog crates alongside Angel at the school. 
Max is having flashbacks, Fang is dissociating, and Nudge is on the verge of a total meltdown. And I don't know why we thought this book would be fun to read, because this <laughs> sucks yeah. a lot. Yeah. Not enjoying these particular chapters, where uh, Angel says that she needs to tell Max something. But before she can, she is interrupted by the something walking into the room. It's Jeb, of course. And Max goes from furious to shocked to even more furious. Then chapter 60 is just an upsetting look into the depth of betrayal that Max feels upon learning that Jeb has been alive and white-coating this whole time. He acts like he's done nothing wrong, and at the end of the chapter, Jeb says that he needs to talk to Max, and he opens her dog cage door. What the hell, Sophie? I blame you for the fact that this is depressing. (laughs) Yeah, but it's been so fun up until this point. (laughs) Some parts of it have been fun. I had to read Midnight Sun because of you guys. (laughs) We arguably all like Twilight. We did all like Twilight. And none of us liked Midnight Sun. No. None of us like Twilight now. That's for sure. (laughs) The great news about this podcast is that none of us are going to like any of these books by the time we're done. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. How to ruin a book in... 74 in chapters. In two years. In two years. <laughs> <laughs> so efficient. Um, <laughs> anyway, these chapters were so sad. They were all extremely depressing and they just got worse. Yeah. Like the first one was bad mm-hmm. enough. It's like, man, they're in peril. They're like causing traffic accidents. They're probably hurting people. Oh my God, they just got T-boned. And then you read the rest of the chapters and it ends with, oh, Max's entire world is crumbling around her. And uh, also she's in jail. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. I guess even worse, she's in school. Yeah. Oh, jail. School, more like purgatory. (laughs) 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 That was good. Put those words back in your mouth. (laughs) No, no, that was good. That was all good. You know Max would say that also. <laughs> yeah, she would. Max and Edward Cullen, surprisingly no. similar. Oh my in, god. Okay. In this in this essay, I will. Anyway, clearly we don't want to talk about these chapters. No. But we should start at the start of the chapters. I want to talk about how birds flock together. Do they have to be of a feather? I yes. <laughs> yes okay go on so at the beginning of the first chapter we read chapter 57 there's like this whole flock plan of they're chowing down on their mcdonald's meal and Mm -hmm. max is like nudge gaswood don't look up in three seconds jump over fang and out that exit door and then giving no sign that they heard me nudge and iggy kept chewing (laughs) it's like wait do you mean the gas man um uh, anyway it doesn't matter because they all have to get out of there anyway they pretend they don't didn't hear it and then like all at once they just like leap out nudge first with the gas man practically glued to her back out the door and the other three follow very quickly Mm -hmm. and so i wanted to talk about bird flocking behavior because of that (laughs) i would love for you to do that (laughs) yeah because a big mystery in bird behavior is how like if you look at a flock of birds like you know when starlings do like a murmuration or like there's a big flock Mm -hmm. and if there's like a predator or something 
or even when they're on the ground and like one bird will take off and then all of them will take off at the same time in the air or on the Mm -hmm. ground it's always been kind of confusing how birds like know what's going on or what the flock is doing and how they can react so quickly to something that in theory they can't even see Mm -hmm. and so it's only like recently that they've started to figure it out and it's that birds can usually like count up to a specific number (laughs) yeah so like pigeons can like discreetly understand that six things exist what like six objects they can technically count up to six oh my god they're like watership rabbits watership (laughs) down rabbits can count to five and anything more than five is a thousand or uncountable that kind of makes sense because they're also flocking (laughs) yeah sure yeah i think like starlings can count up to seven or eight or something like that and it's thought that the like number that they can count up to essentially is how many birds around them in the flock they pay attention to at the same time so like being in a flock of like a thousand birds it would be way too overwhelming to focus on all of your immediate neighbors and what they were doing Mm -hmm. and so for their like cognitive capacity they focus on like six individuals that are around them and when those individuals do something they react to that right and so if every bird is focusing on like a little cluster around them that's how things can move really quickly and how they can react even if they don't see a predator or something, right? Okay. And so that's my theory as to why the flock of bird kids is so good at coordinated. Yeah, that makes activity. sense. Although I, I guess. guess. Does hawks, it? Hawks don't really do. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> I was like, how close are hawks and pigeons? <laughs> <laughs> so close <laughs> listen both of them can live in cities yeah, yeah fair. i mean a lot of <laughs> raptors will migrate together oh like usually oh, okay. you get big like even just like multi-species migration groups so maybe that's something i don't really that's know that's cool <laughs> i think as we'll find out later in some of these chapters They did spend a lot of the last four years since they've been out of the school training to fight and work together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love Sophie's idea, but I feel like it's probably more likely that this is a trained behavior or that's not the right way to talk about it when it's people (laughs) doing it. A team behavior. Yeah. A practice practice behavior. Yeah. Yeah. They're a team. Clearly none of us are into team sports. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to note that the bird behavior that I was reading about was referred to as a cheerleader wave. Oh. Because it's like the same sort of where you're not watching just only the person right next to you. You have to watch like a couple people out. Right. Yeah. In order to react. Okay. So it's like, yeah, basically a team behavior if you think about it. Yeah, it's a team behavior. Yeah. They're basically a sports ball team of bird kids. And their sport is running away from erasers. Yeah. I think the other thing they called it was a chorus line behavior, (laughs) which is also fun. Yeah. Yeah, because the thing is, is that humans can count to uh, a little bit higher than six. So. Yeah, just a few. Also, there's only five of them. So bird kids can only count to five. We've confirmed. (laughs) 
Well, but there's usually six of them, so they can okay. count at least to six. At least to six. Add that to the biology facts. <laughs> yeah, bird kids can count to six. Confirmed can <laughs> count to at least six. Mm-hmm. That was all I had to say about that, really. <laughs> Although maybe the erasers also do it because they are wolves, which are also pack creatures. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like there's some like weird kinetic thing going on with the erasers, too. Right? I, I feel like there's some telekinesis or something or telepathy. Yeah. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Telepathy. <laughs> or like kinetic movement. Yeah. They used to think that birds. Did you say kinetic movement? <laughs> That's what Sam said. I know. I said telekinesis, <laughs> but I meant telepathy. I always get them mixed up. I meant that they can, like, talk to each other's brains. And then my head just was like, maybe that's why they're studying Angel. So that they can mm-hmm. all be telepathic with each other. Could be. Right. Maybe they have radios. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. Okay. This is great that you said radios. Because um, they used to think that birds, the way that they talked, the way that they communicated, quote unquote, in these flocks was uh-huh. uh, through something somebody called a biological radio. Oh, fun. Huh? Oh, and I was, I was reading it. The guy, the guy was like, like, we didn't know what it was or how it could possibly work or what was like, we had no basis for it, but people were so confused by how birds were doing what they were doing <laughs> that people were like, maybe. <laughs> it's like, uh, maybe this. Yeah. They also thought it was like, they could feel each other somehow. Like, like fish. Yeah. Like a lateral line, I guess. Yeah. That's what I thought. I think that's not one of the theories now for birds. Great. So either the erasers have a lateral line or (laughs) tele... I almost said telekinesis. No. Telepathy. Telepathy. (laughs) I mean, the erasers are wolves, which have whiskers. And those are sort of like sensory. Like you can feel what's around you on your whiskers. How do birds keep from bumping into each other? Did you say they don't know that yet? With their eyeballs. But there's a a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. Even though they have, like, flocks look like birds are packed in really closely, they're usually not. Like, they have enough space to move. But again, this is the thing where they are looking, like, several birds out. And so they see, like, three birds away, a bird start to come towards them. So they start to move away even before their neighbor has reacted. Interesting. Yeah. And that's why murmurations look like that. Yeah, because it's like a okay. ripple that is too smooth for it to be like only looking at their neighbor kind of thing. Right. Okay. Interesting. So I imagine if their neighbor just decided to go right, they, they would run into each other. <laughs> yeah. So how do you think this applies to the fact that Max keeps like almost running into other cars whilst she is attempting to drive this van very quickly? Well, they aren't full of bird kids is the problem. Oh. <laughs> and so if she if they were full of bird kids, she could see them. And <laughs> I said they had to be of a feather. Of a True, feather. you did say that. <laughs> mm. Hoisted by my own stupid joke. <laughs> yep. Okay, but in reality, how many accidents do we think she caused? Because so many. Like so many. Oh my god, so many. She's like Oh, she's like weaving in and out of traffic. <laughs> I it's... think she goes into the oncoming lane yeah. for a second. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think this is something that these books and like movies and everything, they always kind of don't highlight because it's always about, oh, the heroes are getting away or, oh, the hero's protagonists are saving the day. But I'm like, 
How many people died because of this? So many people yeah. died. Right? It always hits yeah. me. And like the scene in particular, I was just like, there's a teenage girl with no driving experience, probably like just killed five people at least. Yeah. And they explicitly T-bone someone going almost 100 kilometers per hour. Yeah. Well, that's I've been in an accident where I've hit someone like at, I think I was going 70 kilometers an hour and like it like no like it's just it's so bad anyways this chapter brought out a little bit of uh, ptsd (laughs) yeah no the the older i get the more i start becoming concerned with property damage in right and books i'm like man someone probably worked so hard to buy that car like they're just trying to get to work so they can feed their family and you've flipped their car and now they might be disabled and like they're in the United States and they're not going to get enough money to live on if you've just like caused them a disabling accident even if they did survive. <laughs> this is the problem with also like getting older uh, as the economy is getting worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it that we're getting older or is it that it just becomes more and more impossible to think about replacing a whole house or a car? <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, probably a combination of both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it like explicitly says that the semi-trailer that they swerve to avoid scrapes a car. There's yeah. a crunch of metal and it's like, oh my god. Yeah. That was the one that got me because I was just like, that probably caused that car to like flip or something like that. Like that did uh-huh. not have a happy ending. No. Like Definitely the other not. thing is... There's no reason for them to have gotten back in the van except for plot. Yeah. They should have just just flown away and flown (laughs) away. That's what I also thought. I was like, why did they get back in the van? They would have made much more ground just flying. It doesn't make any sense. I assume they can get their wings out of their coats pretty fast, right? Yeah. If it was like they have to take off all of their coats and then like stretch out their wings and warm up or whatever before they fly, then I could see being like everybody get in the van it'll be faster in a in a previous chapter they were driving because they wanted to not be obvious yeah and like i think that's why it's like oh they have to stay in the car now and it's like okay but the racers now know that you're within like exactly spitting yeah. distance of the school they know you're coming yeah <laughs> like, that ship no has point. sailed well yeah. and there was at one point where they were like oh we're gonna have to jump out of the van and start flying so it's just like like you should have just flown from the start yeah yeah make any sense to me it this, truly doesn't this was to trap them in the van so that mm-hmm. the erasers could yeah. get them. uh-huh or is it just to show that like they are kids and that they don't think things through fully i don't know but like it's definitely more of like a plot device and doesn't make a lot of sense yeah i mean i definitely believe that they all just panic and they're like we got here in the van we're leaving here in the van let's go Like, that seems reasonable to me. Yeah. But it's definitely a plot device. (laughs) Really showing that they are 98% human because birds, obviously, the flight response. (laughs) Yeah. Birds don't drive, so. Yeah. Yet. (laughs) Yet. I do like that as Max is driving like an insane person through these streets and causing carnage, Fang gets, like, annoyed that... No, Max interprets Fang as being annoyed that they didn't steal a faster car. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, priorities, Fang, my dude. <laughs> like, like maybe a Jeep Wrangler. Like maybe a Jeep Wrangler. I did actually <laughs> do some brief Googling because I'm like, are there fast cars? Like, 
the the word in the book that was specifically used was race car and there aren't like race cars that are designed to carry multiple passengers because race cars are not really cars in like the colloquial sense like they're specifically designed to go extremely fast in an extremely specific configuration Mm -hmm. but if you look at like just a, a brief google all of the like luxury car manufacturers like porsche bmw mercedes like they all have like family SUVs with insane <laughs> amounts of horsepower. <laughs> why? Yeah. I have no idea why anybody would need that. I assume it's Wild. people who have a lot of money and think that cars are status symbols. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hundred percent what it is. <laughs> yeah. We there's no point because we've already established that the eraser's car can go three thousand kilometers an hour. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no Audi SUV is going to be able to match that. Mm-hmm. And I, but they I don't did think their best. In the area where they were going to find a luxury car with a lot of horsepower. No. They should have stolen one of the eraser's cars. <laughs> they should have. Well, they stole they the, like, the poor like minimum wage employee's work van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again! Like, just inconveniencing yeah. the regular person. Like, yeah, like, that poor person is probably going to get fired. God, I yeah. hope he's not a gig worker, and that was his van. <laughs> Ooh. I, were gig, was the gig economy a thing in 2006? I don't think so. Not quite yet. No. Anyway, as someone anyway. who is anxious about driving, Max's driving just, like, made all of my insides contract in fear. <laughs> Yep, the scariest thing about driving is other people driving. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I almost witnessed an accident today, so yep. 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 Uh, anyway, let's talk about the next chapter, shall we? For yes. when they get into an accident. Or when they get into a car accident, Oof. which is yeah. definitely not high on my list of horrifying things that could realistically happen to me. Yeah. Max gets her nose broken by the airbag. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is... Just kind of banged around, except Fang, who was almost decapitated, according to Max, the 14-year-old hyperbolic panicking bird kid. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at the speed at which they T-boned, I'm shocked they are not worse off. (laughs) Yeah, it's their strong bird bones, I guess. Yeah. They probably have all kinds of cushioning in their head and neck Mm. for bird stuff that Mm. stops them from getting whiplash. (laughs) One would hope. Yeah. I know you can get like cross torso bruising and like cuts from seatbelts though. Yeah. So makes sense that uh, Fang probably looks like he was nearly decapitated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's if you're wearing your seatbelt property properly, it's like not really a thing that it can decapitate you. But if you are like a child or a small woman, there's a little bit of a risk. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that uh, the benefit of them all being tall yep. <laughs> is that even with two 14-year-olds in the front seat, they probably didn't die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like there, I did look up uh, Transport Canada's guidelines on when it's appropriate to get an airbag on-off switch to like deactivate your front seat airbags, but it's like pretty reasonably like intuitive and pretty extreme situations like if you have an infant in a car seat if you have someone with like brittle bones if you are under 12 none of the rules apply to the bird kids so they should be safe to experience i mean as safe as 
you can possibly be in a car crash with an airbag deployment, but like the airbag is not going to hurt them other than yes. Max's broken nose, which can happen yeah. to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think the height I saw was like, you have to be at least four feet, nine inches. Yeah. That and they're right. all, and it's like, huge. surely the, surely, well, just Max and Fang are in the front seat. Surely they are over four feet, nine inches. Yeah. They're five foot eight and six foot two. I Googled it. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because five foot eight is like, well, actually, neither of those heights is notably like above average for a person Wait, is that of at those the sexes. End of the series, though, I didn't look too deeply into the Wikipedia page because I didn't want to get too spoiled. Sure. Fair enough. <laughs> like, even if it's their heights now, that would make them a little bit tall for their age, but not as like gangly True. as I was picturing based on how much Max has emphasized how tall and thin they all are. I mean, maybe it's the thin part that's it's making them the seem part. Yeah. crazy, crazy tall. Yeah. Anyway, they all need to go to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> and not just get put in dog crates. No. Even no. Uh, Iggy, who, quote, I feel like like pudding, pudding with nerve <laughs> endings, pudding in severe pain. <laughs> oh. What the hell, Iggy? <laughs> <laughs> Those two like, get away, at least. Yeah, yeah, they probably have. Which is shocking I mean, that they could even fly after that. Right? Really? They must yeah. just have like extremely fast response times, which again, I guess would make sense with the bird part. Uh, I bet yeah. the folded wings helps protect their like neck. Oh yeah, and their in spine. a car crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, because like birds have, ba- oh, birds have like basically a fused spine because it can't oh, move. Oh, I remember around. this. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise it would be like this. not a stable base for their flight oh, to sure. happen on, right? So yeah. I wonder if they have like partially fused spinal columns. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, not ideal for humans, but you know, in a teen. <laughs> yeah. Nothing about the human spine is ideally engineered anyway. Yeah. Mine hurts at the moment. (laughs) Uh, Classic spines. Classic, classic Classic upright bipedal posture. Am I right? Doing great work (laughs) over here. (laughs) But unlike what Max says, don't disable airbags. No, do not disable an airbag. No, do not. I mean, I think I think her implication here is that like without it, she would have been fine. Mm-hmm. because they do go on about how they are like stronger just all over yeah very robust more so than humans mm-hmm. so maybe she would have been but i still feel like no matter how robust you are hitting your head on a steering wheel at that speed versus an airbag is gonna be a lot worse yeah yeah, I think the implication, <laughs> along with like the fused spine thing, is that she wouldn't hit her head on the steering wheel for whatever reason. I guess. I'm just having a hard time mentally visualizing yeah. that. Yeah. You know? yep. But yeah, yeah, I guess I guess so. Yeah. And I suppose, giving Max the benefit of the doubt, if I had just been punched in the face by an airbag, I would probably be feeling a little sour towards airbags in that exact yeah. moment. I think also the issue is suck. that the airbag yeah i think the issue for her right now also is that the airbag like pinned her to her seat yeah which is how the 
erasers probably got her and Fang so easily. <laughs> they deflate pretty quickly, yeah. though. So, okay. but I guess they are the first kind of model of uh, airbags. At least when mine went off, they deflate. They deflate pretty quickly. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it pinned her to her seat as much as it slammed her back after she uh-huh. hit it. Yeah, that's definitely what they do. Like it mm-hmm. slams you back, and then it essentially deflates almost right away. Oh, okay. yeah. So, but it did break her nose, yeah. which is probably pretty distracting. It's horrifying yeah. to poor Nudge, who's already like on the verge of a meltdown. Yeah. And, poor girl. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I feel so bad. Nudge. I mean, I feel bad for yeah. all of them, but Nudge but in particular, Nudge specifically. Oh, you know what? She needs to go to Ella's house for a sleepover. Yeah, Nudge needs to be, I think, (laughs) removed from this adventure. Yeah, she should go home. (laughs) Nudge and Gasman, just send them home. (laughs) Yeah, I guess home is full of erasers too, but maybe like put them in a motel or something. Anywhere else, yeah. (laughs) Leave them with the Ferrugina socks, come back for them on the way back. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Iggy and Gasman get away. Yeah, Huzzah. so that's good. Because we've seen the sorts of plans that those two conduct or concoct, and uh, it's always good. <laughs> always good, for sure. Uh huh. Definitely does not involve any homebrew bombs. And then Ari, Ari, what is it? Ari, Ari is an I asshole. Think? Yeah. <laughs> Piece of shit. Yeah, that guy sucks. The worst. Also, he's wearing hand sewn Italian boots. Why? What's up with that detail? <laughs> I laughed at that so hard that, like, that just had to be mentioned. I'm like, you're right? bleeding, you're being captured, and you're noticing that? Right? <laughs> this book has, like, such an economy of words, and you put all of these, like, extra adjectives into describing Ari's boots? No, it's not Ari. It's somebody else. It's an eraser. <laughs> yeah. I guess I was assuming it was Ari because Ari is the one who is later standing on Max's oh, face. Maybe, yeah. But maybe it's not him. I know. I was like, is this to reinforce that they look like male models? But I thought, I didn't think that was their clothes. Right? I thought it was just their faces. But I guess it makes sense. Why do they need to dress so f- If you were, If you were like a secret wolfman police out to mm-hmm. collect some secret bird kid assets... Would you not be wearing some kind of like tactical gear? No, we've been or, over like, this. Combat boots. They need to look hot. Yeah. So everyone trusts them. Okay, but they could look really hot in combat boots. Maybe these are hand sewn Italian hot. combat that's, boots. That's that's <laughs> what I was just gonna say. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> hand sewn Italian combat. Gucci boots. work boots. <laughs> yeah. Gucci. <laughs> uh, wow, uh, I hate that mental image. Yep. This feels like a kid who's been radicalized. Yeah, sure does, huh? Yep. In 2023, Ari would be an incel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He'd be writing a manifesto. He sure would. He's going to go Awful. out and shoot a bunch of women. I don't want to think about it mm. anymore. Let's talk about the next chapter. Okay. Yep. Before we talk about the next chapter, can we talk about the fact that Ari, the genetically modified nine-year-old outweighs max by she says 160 pounds which is like an entire person that's yeah, wild. right like granted bird kids are light because they have hollow bones yeah and these wolf men are probably exceptionally muscular and heavy mm-hmm. but that's still crazy to me that's still a lot i mean he was an adult man yeah in shape <laughs> yeah he's a nine-year-old adult man yeah mm-hmm. yeah max probably weighs less than 100 pounds 
Probably. Anyway, but still, that's that that's a big nine year old. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, Gasman is eight. <laughs> Gasman isn't a hundred and sixty pounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you know what's not big? Uh-huh. Angel's dog crate. <laughs> it's a medium. <laughs> yeah. That's that great segue. Terrible. Yeah, I'll see myself out. <laughs> I it's just you why would it even be the sizes are large and medium. <laughs> like, why would you say a big crate? I'm in a medium. Just uh-huh. the writers, you know? Yeah. I was just like, this is the kind of, kind of like dark humor that I generally enjoy. But mm-hmm. I think I was just kind of upset already from the entire premise of what's happening in this book that I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they put her in a dog crate for small dogs. <laughs> yeah. We've been over this. It doesn't yeah. make any uh, sense. It's so ridiculous. Why? Okay, I have an aside that's related to this that I've been dying to talk about. Okay. Have either of you seen the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy movie? No. No. It's I will keep it very general. Basically, there's a whole segment of the same kind of thing where someone does like extremely weird experiments on animals just for the sake of doing weird experiments and then puts them into like unsanitary cages in between experiments Mm -hmm. it was just like sawdust on the ground and like the bars are rusty and whatever and i'm like this is exactly what we've been talking about (laughs) i was upset from both a humanitarian standpoint and a scientific standpoint it's like there's no (laughs) there's no reason there's absolutely no reason you went through all this effort to do these, like, gross animal experiments, and then you put your animal in a dirty cage? Ugh. It's gonna get an infection! <laughs> you literally need to reduce the number of variables as much as possible. Oh my god. And, and they're all different animals? And they're all, all different in different, different cages? They're... Oh my god, anyway. I mean, Awful. we've talked about this a lot. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's very bad science. It's very bad science. More than just the torture and terrible treatment of children, but yep, yep. That's just that's. The but start. also that part. Also yeah. that part. And yeah. all of the kids are reacting to their cages in different but equally traumatized ways. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. even like there. You can't even use the excuse of like, well, what does stress even look like in this species? It's like, no, it's a human. It's you a know human. what stress looks yeah. like in a human. That's bullshit. <laughs> yep. It's like, see your uh, emo teen over there? He's straight up just dissociating. (laughs) Max doesn't have the word to describe that, but she's like, oh, I can. She says that she can see Fang retreating into himself because it's the only place left to hide. And I'm like, that's how you get dissociative identity disorder and all of these other like really serious mental illnesses that accompany childhood trauma. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, even Angel, like physically, like, eyes hollow, face smudged with a purple shadows, one whole side of her face is a bruise, she mm-hmm. looks thin and dry. It's like, oh my god. Right? You can't Physically. Spend- you know what a human looks like when it's being maltreated. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. It's, fine. it's not fine. It's not, <laughs> it's not uh... fine. The thing is, is with these chap- the next two chapters, this is the only thing that happens in the chapters. So that's like all we can talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nothing good happens. No, it's all bad. Mm -hmm. The closest thing to good is Max is relieved that Angel's alive, and they can almost touch each other through (laughs) the bars of their cages. Yeah, great. So good. 
so cool. Yeah. What a good time. <laughs> what a good time. Guys, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks so bad. I don't know how I'm supposed to make jokes about this. Yeah. I feel uh, terrible I guess right now. <laughs> because it's the whole concept of the podcast, Max, when Jeb is about to appear, mm-hmm. is totally wired on adrenaline just nuts yep because angel is like having ptsd in front of her (laughs) yeah yeah and she's like i'm gonna fight whatever comes out of that door and then it's jeb so i for lack of knowing what else to do (laughs) i looked up uh fear response great yep that checks let's hide our discomfort behind some biology yeah how's that sound sounds fantastic to me please please start (laughs) sounds and the only mildly amusing part is that uh birds puff up when they're scared yeah (laughs) to try and be more intimidating and don't they open their mouth real wide (laughs) yeah some of them that's kind of fun have you ever seen like an owl yeah where it just turns into like a huge like they open their wings slightly and then they crouch over, and then they poof up, so they just look like this huge poof with yeah. eyeballs in the middle. Aww. And I am just kind of imagining that with the bird kids. <laughs> yeah. And it's still sad, but it's kind of funny. It, I feel like, for me, the mental image of, like, poofy bird kid with, like, the mouth open threat display is very yeah. funny until I then, like, interpose pictures of, like, shell-shocked teen soldiers from the world wars (laughs) on top of it yeah and then it's less funny then when i remember that max's face is covered in blood i'm like well not as funny anymore (laughs) yeah she's actively having flashbacks as this is happening yeah she's she's like i was seeing flashes of the strangest images what was that all about i think she's having magic actually (laughs) she's having magic i don't think it's ptsd because she. oh really I can't tell if you're being sincere or not. No, but I think, I think so. Oh. Because it's not, like, she doesn't say she's remembering stuff that was happening, right? Yeah. But, like, she could have been remembering things that her, like, conscious mind had repressed due to the severity of the torture that she endured as a child. Maybe. I thought the, because at the beginning it says... The smells were awakening horrible memories I had buried deep a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And then later it says, and I was seeing flashes and. of the strangest images. Interesting. So I'm like, I don't think it's memories. Interesting. Like, isn't doesn't mm. Angel learn how to, like, project thoughts or something like that? I know. I mean, Renesmee does oh. that. <laughs> oh. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> right. Angel is Edward Cullen. I forgot. Yeah. Back to the fear response. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just because a fear response in humans is also technically to like you get like goosebumps, which is your hair oh, yeah. rising on your arms. Uh-huh. I am just sort of imagining that maybe they have a slightly stronger response. So like their <laughs> hair is also poofing up a little bit on their head <laughs> along with the feathers. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's fun and not awful. Extremely poofy. Extremely poofy hair. <laughs> yeah. Big wings. Uh, protect. 
<laughs> Max protect her Max baby. Protect. Yeah. Her, her chick. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the other problem is that it, you're, I mean, their heart rate and breathing rate probably increases, which means it's yeah. probably really fast because they were already yeah, likely higher already, as yeah. bird kids. God, this <laughs> mental image is something. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Pretty bad. Bad. Hate everything. I mostly hate Jeb, I think. Yeah. Like Max. Max yeah. also hates Jeb now. Heck that guy. Yeah. So much. Oh my god. Like, so what much more dick. than when I was 14 and reading this. <laughs> yeah. He like walks in. Max is in pure no thoughts only fight mode. Yeah. And she is so shocked to see him that she literally falls over. And his response is to say, oh, I've missed you. Like, fuck off. Fuck that guy so much. Absolutely. Get out of here. No, shut up. Oh, my God. I'm going to fight this fictional man. (laughs) With Jeb, it feels less like the other scientists who are not actively not realizing they have the cognition of a human being. Yeah, yeah. With Jeb, it feels like the condescension that people do to kids Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like really the really bad one yeah. where they don't believe that kids have like understanding of the world around them. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He is either not noticing or doesn't care that Max specifically, but presumably also Nudge and Fang. Max is having like a pretty extreme reaction to seeing him again after he, you know clearly actively tried to become a parental figure to them or to have them see him as a parental figure and then disappeared. Yeah. <sighs> yep. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. Like, I think what I'm trying to get at is that it feels like Jeb would be a piece of shit to fully 100% human kids. <laughs> yes, it does. You know? Yeah. But also, wow. Like, who is <sighs> that? <laughs> I mean, let's roll right into the next chapter where he's yeah. still a piece of shit. Yeah. The thing is, is we don't get to end on like a better chapter. It's no. just all bad because in this one, it's just Max being like, wow, here were all the most important moments of my life yeah. that Jeb helped me realize. And now I just have to cut that off. Yeah. Also, we thought he was dead and mourned him for a while. Yeah. Like the way she describes the grief that they experienced is very brief but very visceral almost like there's a lot of very strong adjectives and adverbs to describe how max and the others felt upon realizing that jeb was never coming back yeah (sighs) i i kind of wonder because i think from further reading of this series like, Jeb was involved right from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he was one of the people who started the whole project. Yeah, I think, I think that's he, correct. Right? Because I think he's actually Max's dad. Yeah. That's what I was... I thought... We talked about this before, didn't we, I think? Yeah. Or I, I just thought about yeah. this in my head before that he's definitely her father. Or I, he might not be just because I feel like Ari is, like, in love with Max. Oh. Uh, at some point later i mean ari might not know that they're siblings but i feel like they wouldn't put it in the book i mean city of bones was published (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, and that's why <laughs> I don't think they would have put it in this one because I remember reading City of Bones and being like, what the fuck? <laughs> and if it had been in this book, I would have done that already. <laughs> I mean, Game of Thrones was also published. That's true. The impression I had of Ari, and this is just basing on like 15-year-old memories at this point, so who knows how good it is, but that like he realized that he was on the bad side, quote unquote, not even quote unquote, he was on the bad side mm-hmm. and wanted Max to help because he didn't know who else could help him. And it was more of a like desperate clinging than a romantic affection in my memory. But again, I also seem to have more of a memory of him wanting her to join like his side because they're siblings. Oh. But I could just be thinking of that because I'm pretty sure Jeb is her father. Yeah, I'm pretty sure too. I'm also. I feel like Ari dies. That's I think. He, I think he in does. In my too. head, it's that like he's kind of in love with Max, but it is kind of like an eight year old being in love with a oh anybody. Yeah. 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 But and then it's like he dies at some point, saving them. Like he oh, realizes that sounds right. And uh, yeah, but. Like, for some reason, those two things are intertwined in my head. Interesting. Well, that's something to look that's forward to. something to yeah. figure out. Not in this book, probably. But anyway, regardless of where I was going with this originally. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, like, Max is like, oh, Jeb kidnapped us four years ago. And then all of these heartfelt moments that now mean nothing. Worse than nothing. But it's like, okay, so was he not involved at all before that? Mm. Because I would think, like... Is it just that it sort of wipes it away? Like, okay, Jeb was one of the white coats who was working on us, but then he stole us away and saved us. I I thought that was the whole premise. Yeah. Me too. I feel like we've talked about this before. Yeah. Two listeners. We don't listen, re-listen to all of our episodes before we start recording, so we, we might forget details. But I feel like it has been mentioned that, like, Jeb worked for them and then stole them away. Yeah. it just feels... Like, now that we've read more of the book and we've experienced the White Coats firsthand yeah. in the book, like, I'm trying to imagine the way Riley or whatever the hell, Riley, yeah, treated Angel. Oh, but then yes, he's okay. like, oh, I'm gonna the take scientist. you out of here. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm pretty sure he was there from the start because that was probably a way to get the kids to trust him was because he was seen as the bad guy but then like turned got them out gave them all this stuff and so it helped build that trust do you think it's just showing the extent of how manipulative he is that he oh yeah like able Mm -hmm. to twist it so it's like no i only did it so that i could get you out of there 100 percent. and i'm i think i i feel like it's gonna come up in this next chapter like I i feel like the conversation between jeb and max is going to highlight it even further and that's a hundred percent exactly what was happening yes yeah, i agree okay. with that or happened you know one of those things yeah yeah and i could see it being like even if they know that he was like one of the white coats before he stole them away mm-hmm. the fact that they now love him like a parent probably kind of like cancels yeah. out the memories a little bit yeah yeah it's very easy to have cognitive dissonance about people you love, right? Yep. Yeah. 
I wonder if that's how, like, that was part of the experiment to see if he could make them forget. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, the whole house portion was clearly part of the experiment, you know? Yeah, clearly. Wow. Yeah. I feel like reading these chapters in particular, but also throughout the whole thing, it would be so much more interesting uh-huh. for us to read this book if any of us, like, knew much about psychology, because I feel like there's a lot of really interesting yeah. stuff going on here, but... I don't know anything. <laughs> and I don't want to look into it. It seems sad. <laughs> it does seem sad. It seems sad here. But science, though. But science, though. We can We can hide our sad feelings behind science. <laughs> I was trying with poofy feathers. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's, like, the only thing to science, unless you want to get into, yeah. like, panic responses and humans. Yeah, the only other science that I could bring up is that it mentions that Angel's feathers are really limp and dirty. Oh, yeah. Which implies that the bird kids don't have a preen gland. Aw. Because they need she to have showers. So, or... Or? All the groups that don't have preen glands... Okay. ...have dust baths. <laughs> oh. Aww. Because preen oil, which is when you see a bird preening its feathers... Uh-huh. They have like a gland above their tail where oil comes <laughs> out of, essentially. Uh-huh. And they use it to like waterproof their feathers. Mm-hmm. And all the groups that don't have the oil don't really take water baths. <laughs> they kind of just dust bathe. I mean, that kind of checks. Yeah. So. The bird kids just rolling around on the ground. Just rolling around in the dirt. <laughs> dust yeah. absorbs oils, which accumulate, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, in feathers the same way in our hair. Especially if you're 98% human. Yeah. Um, exactly. Maybe they have to wear big shower caps over their feathers. <laughs> <laughs> they just have to hold their wings outside of the shower. They have, like, yeah. a stall shower. Yeah, and they have yeah. to stand and, like, facing with their wing. Anyway. Yeah, have you ever seen those <laughs> pictures of, like, anhingas? I don't know what that anhingas, is. Anhingas, they look like cormorants, but they're called snake birds also. They're in Florida. They look like cormorants, but they're much pointier. But the difference is that they get fully waterlogged. They hunt <laughs> underwater. So they, like, kind of swim like penguins, but they have they can fly, so they have full wings. But their wings get waterlogged completely. Like, the feathers get full of water. Okay. And so... No other birds do that, really, because then you can't fly. And so the anhinga has to, like, stand with its wings just, like, half spread, drying. And they just look so bedraggled and unhappy. And so maybe that's what the bird kids do also. Yeah. I think at least in Nova Scotia, cormorants do the same thing. Yeah. Cormorants, like, dry out. Yeah. But they don't don't have to. They don't have to, technically. Yeah. I encourage anybody listening to Google a picture of an anhinga swimming because the entire body is underwater and it's just the head sticking out and it's very funny. (laughs) They are very funny. (laughs) I do like it. I mean, not to bring the mood down, but I'm going to bring it back down for a second. I tried to bring it back up. (laughs) It could just be that angle. Angle? Angle. (laughs) (laughs) Could just be that angel has been... Locked in a box and doesn't have the space and is also depressed and therefore is not preening her wings. Angle. Poor angle. Poor angle. Poor angle. She can be your devil or your angle. (laughs) Truly. 
versatile. Okay. okay. Can we? Can we... <laughs> I, yeah, I don't want to talk about these chapters anymore. Oh so God. let's guess what's going to happen in the next ones. Probably right. better for sure. Yeah, mm. definitely. We're only like halfway through the book. So I don't know that it's accurate that somebody gets to punch Jeb in the face yet, but I hope somebody does. Someday. Okay. Chapter 61. Jeb and I walked past a bank of computers out of sight of the others. Well, well, that's not that helpful. They're going for their chat. They're going to go have a chat. Yep. Maybe Max chat will punch him. Time. Max is going to just be in full, like, sit down, shut up mode, trying yeah. to figure out what to do. Yeah. Who knows? Not Jeb me. Jeb is going to be like, no, I came back because I heard they were hunting you. Something, something. And I tried mm-hmm. to get them off your scent. <sighs> Jeb is a oh, liar. <laughs> He's even worse than Edward. Wow. That's saying a lot. It is saying a lot. <laughs> Edward Cullen belongs in jail, and so does Jeb. <laughs> Jeb belongs in hell. <laughs> <laughs> New series. <laughs> Chapter 62. Mm-hmm. Okay, I couldn't help it. She's reacting to him? Mm. Yeah. Maybe feeling some sort of way to Jeb. Like, maybe he did something and she's, like, feeling grateful and can't help it. Made her some fresh cookies. Yeah. Oh no. Let her have a bath. I forgot in how wild water. It is what Jeb says. Okay. Oh wait, what does he say? Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, I want to know oh. now. Shit. Anyway, chapter sixty-three. Maybe it will be revealed in the next cha- chapter. <laughs> okay. okay. Chapter sixty-three. Hours went by. <laughs> That's not. She's back in the cage. Probably. Or he's holding her in, like, some separate room to, like, mm. try and get an answer out of her, like, a police interrogation room kind of thing. Yikes. I don't know. It's a guess. <laughs> yeah, it's a guess. Great guess. Okay, chapter 64. Uh-huh. The funny thing about facing imminent death is that it really snaps everything else into perspective. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> Just a nice little maximum quip there. Yeah. There's going to be some depressing episodes coming out. Jeez. Yeah, I hope everybody who listens to us is good at practicing self-care. <laughs> yeah. Because we're not doing we're, it. We're not. But hopefully know. you are. <laughs> I mean... No guesses? I don't know. <laughs> I think they're... Are they, like, threatening her with, like, some sort of torture or death or something to get her to talk? I, I don't know. I feel like I have a weird memory of... Max being in some kind of arena at the school being chased by erasers, including Ari. And I don't know if that's going to be like oh. a flashback or if I've like smushed a bunch of memories together or completely made it up. But maybe it's something like that. Like they're getting ready to yeah. start the testing again. And one of the tests is you have to outrun these erasers. I'd buy that. That sounds more legit than what I said. Same kind of thing, <laughs> I guess, but different, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yours is more logical and mine is more it happened for the plot. Which is very common in this book. Yeah. I don't know. Something horrible. <laughs> something, for something sure. horrible. Something horrible. Great guesses all. Yeah, Let's sure. <laughs> talk about what else we're reading that is not this book. <laughs> That's such a good idea. That's such a great idea. I finally... <laughs> not that far uh-huh. uh, since we're recording in advance i read started and finished a marvelous light oh the book, club book and it was very good 
I liked it, it a lot. Your shit? It seems like it's shit. my shit. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good time. Yeah. I think I read three quarters of it in one day. Oh. <laughs> Until 2 a.m. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, I also picked back up. I think I it was so long ago that I would have said I started <laughs> reading this. But I fell off it. Now I'm getting back on the third, the Library of the Unwritten oh, yeah. book. So I'm reading The God of Lost Words. Uh, I think I stopped because it hadn't grabbed me in the first couple chapters. And then like the next chapter I read, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I like these books. <laughs> so, yeah, now I'm back on that one. Nice. It's good. But that's it because I'm still not reading a lot. <laughs> I mean, I don't have much to add either, but I did successfully finish two things since our last recording, which nice. was Astrid Parker Doesn't Fail and Hellbent. Nice. Both like a, a solid four stars. So I really want the next Alex Stern book though, Lee Bardugo. Right? Please write it. I know. Like, <laughs> I, I was I, like I gotta have it. I know. I was like telling Sophie, I'm like, it's like it's okay. Like it's okay. And then the ending and I was like, God damn it, Lee Bardugo. <laughs> right. And because it's Lee Bardugo yeah. it can be like two years minimum. Nah. <laughs> like, oh. Like, the paperback for Hellbent will have already been out for a year, and then we'll finally yeah. get the announcement for the third one. Anyways, yeah. I will fine. wait patiently. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, other than that, I started one new book, which was One True Loves by Taylor Jenkins Reid, and I don't know if I'm going to finish it because it's traumatic, oh. and oh, anyways, it's a oh. lot. Be- if oh. you're going to read it, just be mentally prepared. For what? Um... Like grief and oh. uh, yeah, mostly grief. Yeah, but anyways, there's gonna be a movie about it, which is why I wanted to read it. But I don't know if I want to finish. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Hannah? I have read two things since last week. I read the first bright thing by J.R. Dawson, which is about a magical circus whose ringmaster is like a deeply traumatized queer woman with time traveling magic trying to like escape her abusive ex-partner and kind of help other people using her magic it was quite good i liked it a lot (laughs) you should definitely read it i feel like both of you would really like it for probably different reasons but (laughs) (laughs) it was really good I definitely recommend checking it out. Definitely be wary if you are like sensitive to like gaslighting or abusive relationships. Oh no, I might not read it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's a good one. Uh, it's got a fan family, so that wow. was nice for me. Uh huh. Magic. Anyway, I also read The Nameless Restaurant by Tao Wang, which is a cozy cooking fantasy novella. And I was excited because it's set in Toronto uh, in the Kensington Market. Oh. But it's so short that nothing actually happened in it. (laughs) (laughs) But I listened to the audiobook and the narrator (laughs) uh, said that it was Toronto, pronounced the way I pronounced Toronto, which is incorrect with all of the T's enunciated. And I thought that was very funny. (laughs) I was like, oh, she's not from here. (laughs) We've been over this. Yeah. It's like one syllable. It's like one syllable. You only Two. pronounce one T if you're lucky. Yeah. Usually it's a CH. Y- yep. 
But yeah, Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> Toronto? Toronto. 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 I say Toronto because I'm that person. Not from Toronto. there either. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't say the second T. C H R O N N O. Yeah, Toronto. Toronto. I say it the correct way because my mom was from Toronto. Oh, okay. Toronto sounds really go. weird now. Toronto. Toronto. Semantic satiation. Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. Yeah. I'm also reading uh, Who Gets Believed When the Truth Isn't Enough by Dina Nayeri. And it is intense so far. Yeah, it does not sound fun. <laughs> oh. No. I was expecting it to be a little more into like the psychology and social science of like why some people are more likely to be taken at face value than others. And I feel like it might get into that. Mm-hmm. But so far, it's like half angry memoir and half angry recounting of people who were like falsely imprisoned or tortured for not giving the correct information. So that's fun. Yeah. Hannah, you were reading a, a suite of books. <laughs> I'm all over the place, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Hannah and I are diverging where Hannah's going into books that are like more and more and more traumatic, like more and more yeah. and more hurting her feelings. And I'm going into books that hurt my feelings even less, like less and less and less. <laughs> that seems accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and here I thought Sam was the one who searched, searched, sought, sought out hurty feeling books. Yeah, but Sam's stressed right now. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm very stressed right now. <laughs> I don't know if I'm in uh, in the right mindset for that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. You should wait until you can channel all of your stress into fiction. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe in July when we will be reading Trust of the Emerald Sea by Brandon Sanderson. That probably won't be too stressful. Maybe. I was going to say, I hope it's not traumatic or hurting my feelings because I don't want it to be. No, I've heard it's a very whimsical, fairy tale-esque story. Oh, those are Sophie's words. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, well, Sophie's read one Brando Sando with me. So, yeah. but uh, I was like, no, this is going to be the one, I think. And I haven't seen a single bad review from it. Like, I don't think I've seen Dang. a single person who dislikes this book. And everyone just described it as like a feel-good book. Yay! Well, anyway, if you liked this chapter of Bit Like Crisis... <laughs> Consider rating and reviewing us on Spotify or your podcatcher of choice. You can talk to us and find fun-related content on all of the social medias. We are at MidlightPod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Tumblr, and Blue Sky. And all chapters of the show thus far are available on our website, midlightpod.podbean.com, and on YouTube. And for the three of us, when we have anything to do at all... I coiled my muscles, narrowing my eyes, and putting on my fiercest look. That didn't make sense either. (laughs) Listen, it's hard to do anything ever, and sometimes you just have to (laughs) brace yourself. Yeah. And look angry about it. Yeah. You read these chapters and then try to find a funny quote. (laughs) Yeah, it was really hard. (laughs) Guys, I can't believe I forgot to tell you. I was at a work event and I talked to someone about sharks for several minutes and then he left and came back 10 minutes later and said, I just need to know, do you play D&D? You look like you play (laughs) (laughs) D&D.